Welcome to the Danny Palmer Show. Does it sound cool if I say it like that? Fuck you, Marty. Ruth, we told you you're not going to be a part of this podcast any longer. You're too rude and nobody believes that it's you. Fuck you, Danny. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Danny Palmer Show. I'm doing my fun Friday solo pod, but there's a person here and it's weird, you know? I like It's funny, I always make fun of myself for being alone in my apartment, but then when somebody is in my apartment, I'm like, can you not be in my fucking apartment? You know what I mean? Like, if don't flick me off either. That's rude, other person. <laughs> What's up, Jeans? Dude, the Olympics? You know, I know the Winter Olympics suck compared to the Summer Olympics. Like, nobody gets excited about the Winter Olympics. Let's be frank. Unless you have a family member participating, <laughs> participating in them, nobody gives a green goddamn about the Winter Olympics. Like, figure skating, I guess, you know? So your like girlfriend can cry a little bit or something. But besides that, it's like, dude, no one cares. <laughs> but I will I will say that I'm getting into a uh, skeleton. I'll talk about that a little later on in the old pod, John. But skeleton's interesting, dude. Those motherfuckers are crazy. Apparently, you can't even control the thing. Like in Luge and Bobsled, you have means of controlling it. And skeleton, just like I don't know, <laughs> just see what happens, dude. What if I move my shoulder? I don't know. Like, they literally don't know. I like that. I think shit's lit that you don't know. Things that society doesn't understand are lit. Because it's like, like, dark matter. What's dark matter? I don't know. Like, you ask every physicist on the planet what it is. They're like, we have some conjectures. And uh, we're just going to bide our time until fucking the James Webb Space Telescope and its boner figure it out. Dude, I think it's only like, I think it's only like a couple months away. Maybe it's May when the JWST is going to send back its first images. They're not even telling us what the images are going to be. That's fucking trippy, dude. Dude, what if it's like, <laughs> I don't know. What if it's the Energizer bunny with a with a heart on like trillions of galaxies away? And they're like, I don't know, man. We can't explain it. <laughs> the reason I brought that up is because when I went to Crew de Vue Mardi Gras Parade, like seven or eight years ago, it's like a really dirty parade. And the one of the floats that year was Energizer Bunny with a giant bunner. It's like, that's a pretty brilliant float, you know? Like out of all the float ideas that year, I bet people are like, fuck, I wish I would have thought of that. That's lit. I got some good uh, Pod John uh, feedback. Who's, who sent me this? Oh, my friend Haley. She's the best. She gives me a lot of good feedback. She said, so good and entertaining. Ruth from Mozart. OMG, have you ever been interested in acting or just stand up? Dude, I took this acting class in... And uh, I think I already talked about this already. Sorry. But if you've listened to that episode, if you've listened to all the episodes of my fun Friday pod, like you need to like find some better like outlets in life. And so I feel bad for you that you heard that. And for the other normal people that haven't heard it, I'm going to explain it real quick. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. I went to this uh, relapse theater that had this acting class and I'd never done anything before in the acting realm at all. And the first acting class I ever took in my entire life, we laid down in this dark former church sanctuary closed our eyes and the, the guy was like okay now when you wake up be an animal and then interact with the other people in the class as that animal i'm like what oh no i don't want to do this this is terrifying i almost just like got up and went out to my car and was like you know what i'm not the arts are not for me <laughs> i'm just gonna go back to my corporate job and click on some spreadsheet information because i don't want to embarrass myself but i did it i pretended to be a cat or like a tiger or something and this other girl other girl i'm not a girl this girl was pretending to be a tiger and then we like just spent time sniffing each other and i was like does this girl like me do i like her is this sick and then i could just see in her eyes her being like you know what don't don't come on to me when we're both, when we're both being tigers <laughs> anyways uh that was nice anyway you got ruth down sounded exactly like what she'd say thank you Haley. thank you for complimenting my ruth 
uh, Langmore Ozark character impression because my guy friends are assholes. Like, you don't sound like Ruth. Dude, fuck you. Yes, I do, okay? Me and Wyatt got to go bury them in the fucking field. <laughs> she said, I love the stuff about therapy, life, space, particle physics. Dude, I know nothing about particle physics, but I talk about particle physics. I think it's lit when someone talks about shit they don't know. Like a comic talking about science, very lit idea. <laughs> Just complimenting the premise of my podcast. Cool, Danny, you fucking loser. She goes, I think we all need therapy. I th- also think we can get therapy through more than just a therapist. That's right. When I was growing up, my parents were very religious and we would go to church like every Sunday. And then for a while, not a while, but like there were times when we'd be like, okay, if we're in nature and you, know, you can have like a devotion in your living room. And then we're like, well, this isn't church, dude. And it's like, not everything has to be church. Not, other, not everything has to be therapy. There's other ways to achieve the means, you know, to get the, the end that the mean and and just so that uh, or somebody's just like dude what is this guy doing he's just talking kind of ad lib and then sometimes his ideas don't make sense and he just like makes a weird noise th- about them not making sense like is this a good use of time hey apparently people in germany like it so go fuck yourself dude <laughs> someone said uh, oh my friend jared what a prick dude i mean nice guy listens to every episode clearly i think he wants to try to fuck me or something but he gives me some feedback, but it was like it was like negative feedback or like, you know, constructive criticism, as they say in the corporate world. He goes, less than 15 minutes in, and here's some feedback for you, Danny. Stop forcing a topic and learn to embrace one second of silence to let the guest guide things. And I was a little bit offended by that because, dude, I've been working hard on taking moments of silence and letting the guest guide things. But he was listening to my interview with Mike Racine, the comic Mike Racine, that came out this previous Wednesday. And I guess I was forcing... I don't know, stepping on Mike's lines or trying to like redirect his thoughts. I'll listen to that. I will. I am open to feedback and I will listen and, and keep an eye on that. But I try, I try fucking hard to listen. Sometimes it's hard when you're interview, interviewing somebody in a podcast because you're trying to listen, but you also don't want the conversation to die. And then sometimes you're like, what thing do I respond to? Like if they talk about two or three ideas in a sentence, or if you have an idea from something they said, you know, 90 seconds ago and they've moved on, like, do you want to bring them back to that previous thing? Or do you want to just let them guide the conversation with their new topic? Like it's, you know, it's an art, not a science. So what the fuck do I know? What the fuck do I know? Dude. Oh yeah. Oh, oh. what was that? I don't know. Those are just some sex sounds out of nowhere. All right. The person that's in the room during the podcast is just going through their phone. Wow. Thanks for the support. What a sweetheart. <laughs> The skeleton event at the Olympics. I, yeah, I'm going to talk a little bit about this. Like, I was wondering, like, what Olympic sports are you most likely to die doing? And I thought it was skeleton, but it's not. Apparently, skiing and snowboarding are the top two ways to die in the Olympics or just, like, winter sports in general. But I was watching skeleton. If you don't know, skeleton's when you lay down, like, luge and bobsled. You sit or lay, you know, with your head in the back of the sled. And then skeleton, you get on the sled head first. With nothing between you and the fucking wall except your fucking skull. Which I don't understand why that people aren't dying from getting their head slammed into the wall. Don't get it. I don't understand it. But apparently when you're training, during a training run, you might wear padding. But on the, you know, in case your shoulder bumps into the icy wall, which could really hurt you. Hurt you. But if you're in an actual race during the Olympics or some other competitive event, you don't wear the padding. So you're more aero- aerodynamic. And they say it's skin to win. Skin to win. Next time you're like about to hook up with somebody and they're like, do you have a condom? Just be like, dude, skin to win. I'm like, oh, okay. This guy really wants to win the Olympics and possibly impregnate me. 
Banging into wall, bruises, head first, unlike the luge. Yep, I already said that part. That part. More feedback from Haley. She goes, with your thoughts about getting the frozen TV dinner. Yeah, because sometimes I go to the grocery store and I like, I'm like, hey, maybe I'll get these Stouffer's lasagna. Those are pretty good, dude. If you want to save some time. But then I'm like, what if the other people in the grocery store think I'm a fucking loser? She's like, I do that too. I think about how my life is not, quote unquote, right yet. How this is not how I thought it would be. But then I remember all I have and how amazingly beautiful every moment could be if I could see it that way. We are not supposed to all have the same type of lives. How could we learn from each other if we weren't different? Great, beautiful point, Haley. You're completely right. You know, If you beat yourself up for not being a certain way, for not embracing a certain lifestyle or way of living that is more predominant or more mainstream, then you're depriving yourself of giving the world a broader set of diverse lifestyles and ways to live. You know? So... Do whatever the fuck you want to do. Just like don't commit massive crimes. Don't do that shit that like uh, those two Bitcoin people. They they tried to um, launder three point six billion dollars of bitcoins or something like that. And they have all these like social media posts. There's one. Some of my friend uh, uh, Sean from LA. He listens to the pod too. He sent me this like TikTok video of the girl like doing a dance in her living room and using this like play alligator like it was a dick and like dancing with it. It's like, sweetie, you're going to prison for a very long time. <laughs> Enjoy that dance. I just can't imagine the audacity to try to embezzle or launder $3.6 billion. And they did it. They did it in like all these fucking multiple ways, you know, like making the, tr- spreading the transactions over thousand, sorry, spreading the yeah, the transactions over like thousands of different transactions using multiple account names and numbers, trying to do it offshore, just like taking a shit ton of money and spreading it out. And the Department of Justice was like, we know everything you did and you're going to prison for a long ass time, dude. Sorry, toots. Toots. Toots is a sexist term. Is toots a sexist term? You can't say toots, lady in the my apartment. You can't say toots, right? Can a guy say toots? If you're joking, can you say toots in a joking manner in 2022? Only if it's joking. Thanks, Toots. <laughs> Sorry. I'm going to get canceled. There's not, yeah, but you know what? If you get canceled, that means you're doing pretty good. That means that people know who the fuck you are. Like Shane Gillis not getting SNL. Like That guy's like crushing at the cellar and released a special on YouTube. He's on Joe Rogan's podcast. Like, If you're getting canceled, that means that people know who you are. So if you're not canceled yet, maybe you will get canceled. So it's like, do you want the fame and fortune when you will more than likely be canceled? Or do you want the anonymity and not being canceled? Just like it's like uh like flame being this like burning ball that just like like the sun it just gets so hot and then it's out of your control you know like if you're playing basketball and you're not famous no big deal but if the basketball turns into a sun oh, you can't control that it's gonna burn you you're gonna, you're gonna look like a fucking moron some people are gonna hate you but also who cares dude do you really need everybody on the planet to fucking like you like it doesn't matter I mean maybe, maybe it matters if you're committing crimes it matters but if you're not committing crimes I don't know who cares. I think we should all try to live our lives like uh, Christopher Walken. The guy's a badass. I'm reading this interview with him. I haven't completed it yet. So if you're hoping for a thorough review of this interview um, that he did, I don't have that. But I do have some fun things that he said. Um, He said that he likes to, on Sunday mornings, uh, have a cup of coffee. He said someone told him there's nothing better than waking up on a Sunday morning, having a cup of coffee with a roaring fireplace and reading the New York Times. Sorry if you're the fucking Fox News person. Whatever. You can read your fucking, you know, conservative paper. Whatever. Just reading the newspaper on a Sunday morning. And then if you want to further enhance it to get maximum dopeness on a Sunday morning, take a couple pu- puffs on a joint. Dude, that's pretty lit. Can you imagine Christopher walking, smoking a joint on Sunday morning, reading the paper? 
I kind of want to do that, but I don't like to smoke weed in the morning at the same time. I don't like it. I like to let my head clear out for a bit, you know, or just like feel not just immediately overwhelmed. Maybe I should get into it. Do you guys feel like sometimes you feel like, man, I should smoke more weed. <laughs> I mean, it's not like, it's like you want to set your mind to like drinking more or doing more cocaine, but like weed, I read about this 90 year old lady. She smokes a little bit of her uh, weed vape every night, every fucking night. And she's 90. And I'm like, wait till Friday, Danny, be responsible. You want to clear head for your fucking recruiting job. No one cares, Danny. No one cares if you live or die, pal. Fuck you, Danny. Uh, I read this other article about this airline, or I don't know, it's I guess it's like a service. It's called Love Cloud. You can have sex in an airplane for $995. And uh, they have multiple packages. That's like the baseline package if you just want to go up and bone. <laughs> just have a sad little orgasm. Honey, wipe up the cum. We're about to land. But if you if you want like a full-on <laughs> experience, you can pay for like a red carpet as you walk up to the plane like if you only pay 9.95 if you're a loser that only spends a grand on banging in the sky like all they give you is a mattress and like satin sheets and stuff but if you spend like two grand they'll give you like an actual bed and then they'll give you champagne too but dude get this this is a fucking pretty you know it's an interesting service they don't even have a full bar like you can buy you can buy champagne if you want but they, they don't have a full bar if i ever open a fuck airline there's gonna be a bar you know, just make it like a mini bar. You just want to fly in the sky sober and let. What what if you you fly up there and, and your bolt just like I don't know, man. I don't really want to fuck up here. It's weird. And the pilot's like, all right, I guess we're gonna land. <laughs> Way to risk your life for no reason. All right, my uh, one of my coworkers at my job was saying, you know, oh, here's the thing I had. Okay, there's two things. So the movie Nobody with Bob Odenkirk. By the way, there's an article in the paper this week about Bob Odenkirk that I want to read. He's a badass. But the movie, nobody, this isn't really a spoiler. In the first 10 to 15 minutes, they do kind of like this little montage of his week, you know, just like a regular dad in the suburbs, monotonous routine. It's like Monday, the coffee pours, he misses the garbage truck, he pulls into his work site, somebody honks their horn, and then it's like Tuesday, Wednesday, and then it's like just repeats, repeats, repeats for weeks on end. And my coworker was kind of reinforcing that when I was talking to him over uh, Slack. He has no idea that I, I'm going to bring this up in my podcast. <laughs> but he goes, the weeks are all just the same. The weeks are all just the same repetitive minutia delivered with persistent, agonizing anxiety, to be honest. It's all the same to me every single day and week at this point. Ugh, isn't that kind of a bummer? But it's true, dude. It sucks being responsible. It's, I mean, I, you know, I try to work hard. I don't want to fucking lose my fucking apartment and be a loser and move back in with my parents. Like, I don't want to fucking, I want to be an autonomous adult. You know, I want to, I want to succeed, get ahead, thrive, all that shit. But it does lead being, living a disciplined life and working hard is leads to a sense of monotony. It's hard to avoid that sense of monotony. And maybe that's true in the creative arts as well. Like if I was making a full living doing podcasting, not that you guys are paid to listen to my advertising, you fucking pricks. Just kidding. Just kidding. But even if I was in that creative world, like, or you know, making a living in the creative world, there were, I'm sure that there would be some elements to it that were repetitive or, you know, m- a mind-numbing type of tasks. But hopefully, less so than the grind. But then again, if you're working the grind, it is good to have discipline and get up and be like, okay, gotta be on the computer by 9:15. I gotta get a good night's sleep. You know, I'm not staying up too late playing PlayStation. Dude, when I was in college, me and my friend Kenny, we like stayed up all night playing PlayStation. It was so fun. We, I remember when we looked at each other, we had class, and I was like, dude, we can't stay up all night. And it was like 6 a.m. And he's like, do you want to play one more time? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah. 
And I mean, sure, we were both exhausted the next day, and I was like mad at myself for doing it. But I mean, that's all I remember now. All these years later is how fun that moment was. So fuck it, you know. Stay up all night, dude. Let's fucking chill. Sometimes we had a finals, you know. I mean, maybe this is a minutia story or like what do you call it? Like too commonplace of a story. But like I would have like finals, and I'd be like, okay, you got to do, you know, you got four finals, and then I would say, okay, and Monday I'll do one class, Tuesday I'll do another, Wednesday I'll spread it out. And then my friend was like, dude, just do all of the finals in one night. Stay up all night, do all four. I'm like, I don't want to stay up all night and do all four. That sucks. And then I did it. And then I was like, done. And then I had like a week to party. I was like, dude, that was lit. (laughs) The lesson of this podcast is to consolidate tasks. (laughs) You're welcome. Danny, you're a genius. Um, What was this other thing? Today's the day. Oh, yeah. I took this uh, weekend workshop in Chicago at Second City. And one of the things that we learned when we were trying to write and create sketches was the theory that today's the day. Like when you're writing a scene and the people are interacting, like if you're going to get a divorce, you're going to tell your spouse that you're getting a divorce. If you're going to move across country, you tell them you're moving across country. If you're going to start an argument, you start the argument like today's the day. And that principle is really uh, demonstrated well in Ozark. Basically, every single scene in Ozark, today's the day. Like, Darlene's coming over to shoot your fucking head off. You know, there's no like, oh, well, maybe we can just grab a cup of coffee and reminisce about the past. Nope. You just got blown away with a shotgun. Sorry. Today's the day. There you go. That's the end of that thing. Uh, the comic Louis Anderson. I don't know if you guys know him, but he died, I think, like last year, last fall. I feel bad that I didn't know. I didn't see that he had died, but... I read one of his books. It was really good. He uh, he had a fraught relationship with his father, and it's a serious book. You know, he's, I like it when comics have they have an act on stage that's funny, but then when they talk, like in a podcast or in a book, they are very serious. Like that's how we should be. We should all be complex, multi-dimensional human beings, not just fucking clowns. But so in this book, he talks about um, going to his dad's. I think the book ends with him going to the graveyard where his father was buried and he reads his dad this letter, this like open, painful, vulnerable, somewhat accusatory letter towards his dad, but he kind of gets it out there and it was just like, you know, it was definitely painful to read, but, uh, you know, sometimes you got to go to a fucking gravestone and fucking pour your heart out. So anyways, that's kind of depressing, but he talked, one of the quotes that um, they had from him in his obituary, he said, people are comfortable with me on stage. There's nothing hateful about my comedy. I look at it from the humanity standpoint. I'm just kind of like, hey, we're all in this together. And so they feel comfortable inviting me into their living room. You know, he's not like a polarizing comic, uh, you know, super political or, you know, you think like, is this guy a piece of shit off stage? Like, I like that. That's kind of what I strive for in stand up. Like, it should be a warm, embracing kind of environment, you know? Dude, did you guys hear about this literary editor that resigned after repeat, reportedly bathing on Zoom in a mesh t-shirt? <laughs> it's funny because when you when people do bad things in the public eye, they'll show a picture of them like when they're being at their like most polished. It looks like they're taking their like LinkedIn profile picture or you know, it's like a photo shoot uh, during an interview that they had with Forbes magazine to accompany the piece, and they're just like, oh, you know, sitting by a fireplace and they're well dressed and look really smart. And I'm sure they are really smart, but then they're like, this, dude, this dude took a bath with a mesh t-shirt on, stood up and uh, just had his like junk out and didn't like cover up in front of the camera. And, and apparently a lot of people at this, I forget what the magazine was, but a lot of people that worked at the magazine really hated this guy. 
So it was like, that was maybe like the tip of the iceberg with how he treated people. And they were glad. <laughs> I mean, that sucks, dude. I mean, if, if someone fucking is a piece of shit at your company and then they get fired for doing something stupid like that, the sense of schadenfreude must be so immense, you know, like, I mean, obviously if he doesn't have like a kid and, you know, children to feed, you don't want this guy to be like destitute or kill himself or something. But if you're a piece of shit, and you wear a Zoom, a mesh fucking t-shirt. Like, also, it's like, what kind of attitude do you have towards life and your coworkers? Like, who the fuck do you think you are that you can just walk around naked on a Zoom call with your coworkers? Like, you're just, like, you're just above the rules because you're so important. Like, go fuck yourself, pal. Go fuck yourself, dude. Um, what is this, Danny? A break from input? Yeah. All right. Well, I don't know if this is interesting enough. Sometimes I'll go, I'll go to the gym on a Saturday and like, usually I'll listen to a podcast or I'll listen to my stand-up sets. But on Saturdays or Sundays when I run, my new thing lately is just to listen to music, even though I could be, you know, getting, making some progress in a podcast. I'm like, no, just going to listen to music. Just need a break from the fucking world, dude. Holy shit. It's 20 minutes and I haven't even gone through these articles about skeleton and luge and brain foods. Oh my God, Danny. What a fucking chit chatter you are. Here, I'll give you a little bit about this uh, skeleton shit, dude. Apparently... Many w- winter Olympic sports have ancient origins. Skiing may have emerged 10,000 years ago in Altai, China. Um, it may, uh, blah, blah, who cares? Thousands of years ago in Northern Europe, people strapped animal bones to their feet to skate around on ice. It's kind of interesting. But skeleton is like new. It just joined the Winter Olympics lineup in 2002, and scientists are deeply puzzled by it. Like bobsled, you steer by pulling on two pieces of rope that are attached to a steering bolt. In luge, you flex your calf muscles and grip the handles of the sled. But skeleton, you can only guide yourself with the subtlest of shoulder shrugs or foot taps. The slightest twitch can help or hurt by altering the athlete's aerodynamics in ways that athletes, coaches, and researchers are still trying to decode. Katie Tannenbaum, who's a skeleton athlete from the Virgin Islands, said, there are even times when I just use my eyes. (laughs) Wow, I guess the science of this sport has not been figured out at all. I think it started in the late 19th century in uh, St. Moritz, Switzerland, when uh, sledders were like, you know what? Let's just go down head first. Because in, in, in skeleton, you like start by running and you jump on this thing going head first and you go like 80 miles an hour, which apparently is slower than luge, although you would think it would be faster because it's more aerodynamic. But well, what the fuck do I know? Anyways, it appeared in the Olympics in 1928 and 1948. But the physics are simple. It's just gravity. You know, it's gravity and the drag of your body. You're just going down a hill. It's not that fucking complicated. Actually, I probably should have skipped that part of the story. But the sliding is physically brutal. Athletes endure four to five G-forces of pressure around turns and must withstand the rattling vibrations of the track. I mean, in luge, you got this neck strap on that holds your head up under high G-forces. And then in bobsled, you're seated and you're inside of a vehicle. And in skeleton, you're just face the fuck first. You're tucking your head down to remain streamlined. And your chin is just inches above the hard ice. And your eyes are like straining upwards to even fucking see where you're going. This is the most interesting part that I learned about it. You can't do more than two to three runs per day, Dr. Wee said. And by the end of the season, for one or two months, you just can't think clearly. So a runner can run whenever they want. But a skeleton athlete, you can only skeleton for a few cumulative hours per year, if that. And then it's hard to like test it. It's hard to figure out how it's working. Also, if you can only go two to three runs per day, and if your head is cloudy for two months afterwards, that's not good, dude. You should stop doing skeleton because you're going to die. Like, they're probably going to have CTE and, like, get really fucked up, you know? Like, that's not good, dude. Not good. They use wind tunnels and, like, laser lights and all this shit to try to, like, 
you know, figure out the aerodynamics. But they said, even though it looks completely insane in many ways, it's the safest of the sliding sports paradoxically because you have so little steering control. If you oversteer, you can crash. Um, and I don't do it's kind of crazy. Like apparently not many people have died from skeleton one time. I think it was in 2002. Um, somebody left one of the sleds on the track and this dude ran into the sled on the track and the fucking blade sliced through his skull and killed him instantly. So that sucks. But relatively or overall speaking, it's a really pretty safe sport if you're measuring it by people that die and not people that have CTE and then fuck up their lives for 30 fucking years, dude. Dude. All right. That concludes my con- summary of skeleton. I was going to also summarize the most dangerous winter sports, but I've already said it. It's skiing and snowboarding. Don't do that shit. Too dangerous. Have a good weekend, you fucking jeans. Uh, I reversed the order of the guests on Wednesday the last two weeks. I put Mike Racine this previous Wednesday. Tom McCaffrey's going to be this upcoming Wednesday. So that'll be lit. Why'd you push mine later, dude? Well, Tom, your material is more evergreen, whereas Mike Racine and I were talking about Aquafina, which is a much more recent story. So there you go. A little housekeeping. No one gives a fuck about Go USA. Follow me on Instagram if you want to. Danny Palmer NYC. Send me a note. Nobody ever does. Blackout LES every Friday at 9 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Oh, it feels nice.